Welcome to the Kingdom Dynamics Podcast, where I, Jonathan, will lead you into the Kingdom of God, which is not a religion. It is a place. It is a government. It is a country. It is at hand. And it is the only message that Jesus Christ preached. I want you to enter the Kingdom, understand the Kingdom, so that you can bear fruit, which is Kingdom people. God is wanting to fill everything. He does it by planting seed. The seed is the word of the kingdom, and it takes over, and it becomes the largest tree in the garden. I'll be listening and watching to see how you improve today. Hey, Church, Jonathan Scholler here in Melbourne, Australia. This is the Kingdom Dynamics podcast, and I have only good news for you today, and the title of this message is The Reset for Christians, A Reset for Christians. My heart, the reason behind this podcast is because I was saved by God in divinely. I was saved by God, and He chose me. He saved me in power. He saved me and brought me into a kingdom. And my heart for you is that that you, as a Christian, would know the kingdom that you are in. And I tell you the truth, there is nothing more opposed to the kingdom than, than religion. And I, I have to hold my breath because really I want to say Christianity is a religion. For example, Jesus said, you cannot love both God and mammon. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Yet most Christian churches are totally about money. Okay, it doesn't mean that every member in the church is 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 not loving Jesus. But Jesus, if you want to measure yourself by his words, you see, you you might think you're following Jesus but you're lukewarm because Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And many Christians, most Christians, they don't read the Bible. They don't pray. They they listen. They follow their pastor. They follow the, the regurgitated surrogacy Christianity from, from YouTube and never read the Bible themselves. I began to rediscover Jesus as a Christian and I realized that he was speaking from another realm and he was saying things like, like, I have come to bring division. I have come to turn a mother against her daughter, a father against his son, that your own enemies are going to be in your own household. I began to see that Jesus Christ only preached the message of the kingdom of God. It's not, he didn't come to bring a religion. He came to bring a kingdom. Now, what is it about a kingdom? A kingdom is always advancing. You know, Google wants to advance. They want to search the entire, they want to search everything. They want to archive everything. You know, Apple wants to, wants everyone in the world to have an Apple phone or an Apple iPad. Rome or Great Britain, these empires, you know, Genghis Khan, all of these people, every kingdom wants to expand. And God is a king. He's the first king. He said, 
fill the earth as the water covers the sea. I want to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I want the fish to multiply and to fill the oceans. I want the birds to multiply and fill the skies. I want the humans to multiply and to subdue the earth. He wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Jesus said, I came to bring abundant life. Jesus was violent about the kingdom. If you are a Christian who is in the kingdom of God, you are going to become violent. You are going to be seeking first the kingdom. You cannot tolerate sin. You cannot tolerate darkness. You are going to seem harsh. I believe if 90% of Christians listen to my podcast, they would be offended by now. They would already have decided that they don't agree with me. But guess what? It's not me that you're not agreeing with. It's, if I'm, it's the kingdom of God. When people encountered Jesus, they had to choose. Hebrew says the word of God is a double-edged sword. It divides. It divides. John said that Jesus is coming and he will baptize with fire. Fire purifies. Swords divide. You cannot encounter a kingdom Christian and not change. A kingdom Christian will rebuke the Pharisees. A kingdom Christian will tell somebody the truth. Jesus told Pontius Pilate the truth, I am a king. Jesus Christ turned over the tables when he saw that there was injustice. Jesus Christ was very extreme. He said to the woman who wanted healing, no, I'm not going to heal you because you're a Samaritan. I've only been sent to the, to the children of Israel. He said, you know, he said, I'm not going to give my food to the dogs. Okay, this is very extreme stuff. So my message for you today is that God is compassionate. God is love. He is kind. He does love you. He loves the tax collectors. He loves the sinners. He loves the homosexuals. He loves Putin and he loves the other guy. But the thing that Jesus hates, you see, God says in Proverbs, the things that he hates, he hates false witness. He hates a lying tongue. There are things that he detests and he will come down very strongly on those who, who claim to know the truth but don't. Those who should know the truth but, but, and know better but don't obey him. He said he's going to spit the lukewarm out of his mouth. Hebrews says if people fell in the desert because of disobeying the words of angels, how much worse will we be if we disobey the, the very living son of God? So what I want you to know is, yes, God loves you, and you can come back to God right now. If you have sinned, if you have evil in your heart, if you know that you are lukewarm, this is the test for lukewarmness. Do you live as Jesus lived? Do you walk as Jesus walked? Because we should be like him. He said, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. So this is the kingdom. The kingdom isn't just only the forgiveness of sins. It's not about a ticket to heaven. It is about bringing heaven to the earth. It is about ownership. It is about sonship. The kingdom 
says that if you are born again, if you're a Christian, then you are like God. Peter calls it God-likeness. The Psalms say that we are like him. When we see him, we will be like him. Jesus said, you will sit on my throne. He said, I, I have a crown for you. He said, I have a new name for you. He said, you, Paul said, you will judge the angels. Jesus said, you have the authority to forgive sin. In fact, he said, if you, if you go to a town, if you go to a person, if you tell your church or somebody about me, about the kingdom, in fact, not about me, but about the kingdom, if they don't receive your message, then it is going to be worse for them than Sodom and Gomorrah because you are his ambassador. It's more than you as an individual believing in God and trying to follow the rules. It is not about that. It is about a God who loves you so much that he gave you his son. He gave you his son to include you in his son. He gave you his son to include you in his son. He includes you in everything. He includes you in owning the earth. He includes you in owning heaven. Paul says, you will inherit all things. He said in, in Romans, if God gave you Jesus, will he not also give you all things? The Bible clearly says that when we inherit God, we inherit him. We inherit him and he inherits us. We are his inheritance. Everything is ours. Jesus included us. He said to Mary, out the front of the tomb when he rose from the dead, he said, I go to my father and your father, my God and your God. In other words, you are like me. You are included in what I own, you own. In fact, my righteousness is your righteousness. My name is your name. My power is your power. He said, if you can cast out demons in my name, in fact, the whole armor of God, it's the helmet of salvation. That's Jesus' salvation. It's the breastplate of righteousness. That's Jesus' righteousness. It's the belt of truth. That's Jesus' truth. The armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, that's his spirit. In fact, even being born again, you have the Spirit of Christ inside of you. If you have his name, if you have his keys, if you have his helmet, if you have his sword, if you have his spirit, if you have his authority, and if he himself said you're going to sit on the throne of God, that's in Revelation, then you own everything. This is the kingdom. You see, church won't tell you this. They'll tell you to come to church. They'll tell you to bring your friends. They'll tell you to tithe, okay? But it's a form of godliness that denies what? It denies its power. You will know you're in the kingdom when you're confronting darkness, Everywhere Jesus went was violence. Everything he did was violence. It's violent to cast out a devil. It's violent to go against the Pharisees. It's violent to tell people the truth. It's violent to throw over the tables. It's violent to rebuke your best friend to the, his face and say, get behind me, Satan. You know, it's violent because the kingdom of God is against the kingdom of darkness. It's not against people. I might sound harsh because I'm telling you the truth. I think the Pharisees might have found Jesus to be harsh when he said, you brood of vipers, you sons of Satan. 
He said that to the Pharisees, okay? So, <clears throat> but this is the problem. The problem is we have to speak the truth and the truth is very hard to find right now. In society, you can't tell people what a sin is. You can't tell people what a, what a gender is in basic biology. You can't tell people what you really believe. But that is what we've got to do against all odds, against all opposition. We must proclaim the truth. And this is the good news. God is good, but he is not going to be pleased with people who say that they are righteous when they're not. Those are the people he had a problem with. Jesus didn't have a problem with the tax collector, with the woman caught in the act of adultery, but he did have a problem with people who said that they had no sin. People who claim to be righteous when they were not. And that is the people I have a problem with. I don't have a problem with homosexuals. I do have a problem with someone who says that they are a homosexual and that it is not a sin. That is a problem. One John said, if you claim that you are without sin, then you are denying God. And there is no more sacrifice that remains for sin. If you are a Christian and you say that you don't need God, that you can just live in any way that you want, then that is a very <clears throat> dangerous place to be. The most dangerous place to be is to be deceived. If we claim that we're not guilty of sin, when God uncovers it with his light, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. The Bible clearly says if we don't love our brother, then we don't know God. If we don't obey Jesus, then we don't know God. If we don't do what he did, then we don't know God. We have got to be like him. We have got to obey him. If you've been regurgitating Christianity, listen, if you want to get pregnant, you have to have sex, okay? You cannot have a surrogacy baby. It's not okay, okay? It's not normal. Women's wombs are not for rent, okay? And it's wrong for a baby to be in a family. You know, I know adoption's great if, if, it, if it's better than the worst-case scenario, better than... Than, than being homeless. But, but what I'm saying is if your pastor is reading the Bible and he's getting pregnant and then he's giving birth to Revelation and you're just eating it, he's regurgitated Revelation. You have got to get pregnant yourself. You have got to have sex, in a sense, with Jesus yourself. Okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with what I said because everything that God made is pure. To the pure, all things are pure. Okay? To the defiled, nothing is pure. That's Jude. Sex is the most beautiful thing. It is a pattern of the Trinity. It is when a man and a woman become one. And God gave this. The Bible says all creation is evidence of God, that God is clearly visible in what has been made. We know the awesome power of God when we see a volcano. We know the, the eternal nature of time in God and his sovereignty and his power and his omnipotence by looking at the universe and seeing the billions and billions of stars. And we know his brilliant 
in, intricacy and, and sophistication when we look under a microscope and see how small things are and we know his oneness with himself when we have sex. It is the most profound intimacy. It is not a perverse thing. But Satan, like everything that he does, he perverts it. He, he has abuse. Abuse is the abnormal use of a thing. It's abuse to, to use something for a purpose that it was not intended. But I'm telling you, man and a woman was, were intended to be together. It's not abuse for a, a husband and a wife to be together. And when they are together, and if you have, have been married, you will know it is a, an intimacy that is unique to you. You don't know anybody else in the way that you know your wife. Or you do not know anybody else in the way that you know your husband. It's different to the way you know your neighbours. It's different to the way that you know your children. It's different to the way that you know your pets. Because you have become one. And it's a blood covenant. Everything God does is in a blood covenant. From the first animals that God killed to cover Adam and Eve, to the bondservant who's pierced in his ear, to the circumcision of babies on the eighth day, it, it requires the shedding of blood to, for it to be a binding covenant. And God has shed his own blood and we drink his blood and it's called the new covenant. And when a man is with his wife, the hymen is torn like the veil in the temple that was torn, like the veil over our hearts that was torn, Jesus Christ entered the heavenly throne room. He entered the holiest of holies through the veil. And a man will enter the holiest of holies, so to speak, in his wife, where no one else can go. And it's a breaking of a veil. It's called the hymen. And it is a blood covenant. The moment he enters her vagina with his penis, he breaks the hymen and there is a shedding of blood. And it is holy. I'm telling you, it is holy. It's the most holy thing on earth. No wonder the devil goes against sex. No wonder the devil goes against gender. No wonder the devil goes against the authority of man in the home. No wonder the devil perverts sex with prostitution. No wonder the devil perverts sex with fornication. No wonder the devil perverts sex with, with, with masturbation. No wonder the devil perverts sex with pornography. Because it is the holiness of God. It is a prototype and a pattern of the intimacy that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have. Now, I have gone to, 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 to overdrive here today. I am speaking to you the truth, but can you handle the truth? This is heavy, but we have got to get with the program. This is not about kumbaya Christianity. This is the end of the world out there, guys. This is the beginning of the end. Israel is surrounded by its enemies right now, and we have got to be prepared. We have got to be prepared. And you're only listening to this today if you're awake. 
but most of the church is falling and going to fall asleep. Jesus has told us that the, in the end of days, many will fall away. And I'm telling you the truth. We are, and I said it here first, we are about to see it. We are about to see the great falling away. We are about to see brothers, you know, betraying brothers. COVID was a practice run. COVID was the grace of God to shake the church. Judgment begins in the church. It begins first in the house of God. And you have seen the churches have gone back to business as usual. Conferences are on again. You know, guys, God loves you. He doesn't judge you. Even if you're a homosexual Christian, you can repent right now. You can go flip. I didn't understand. I didn't understand that God made me in his image because I'm a copy of God. You should read my book, God Men, not because I need sales, because I need you to hear the kingdom message. The kingdom message is the one message that the devil will personally steal. Jesus said the seed of goes into the soil. What is the seed? Jesus said the seed is the word of the kingdom. It's not the word of God, it's the word of the kingdom. If you read Matthew, it is the word of the kingdom that the devil will personally steal. Why? Because it's power. He's not afraid of you going to church. I'm not anti-church. I have a I'm a pastor. I'm ordained. I have a Bible degree, okay? Certificate four in biblical studies. I have led a church. I want you to go to church. I've tithed for 25 years of my life. I know what it is to be in church. I love the church, but the church is a spiritual house for God to dwell in, according to Paul. The church is built up in love. The church grows as each person does their part. The church doesn't grow because you all go to a building. The church doesn't grow because you all go to a conference. The church grows when they do the work that God has called them to do. How is the church going to grow when 10,000 people just sit down with their coffee and their donut and acknowledge with mental assent that they agree with the person speaking and then they go home? No, no, the church grows when you lay hands on each other, when you prophesy, when you correct and rebuke with all authority, when someone gets out of line and you bring them before the leadership and you challenge them, and if they don't repent, then you kick them out. That is the church that we find in the book of Acts. Did you know the word love is mentioned zero times in the book of Acts? The book that is about the church, the book that is chronicles of the beginning of the church, never mentions the word love. In fact, some of the members of the church die. Some of the members of the church get excommunicated. Some of the members of the church, you see, this is where Christianity and the kingdom are mutually exclusive. I want you to follow Jesus Christ. I want you to obey Jesus Christ. If you do that, you never need to listen to my podcast. You don't need to read my book. In fact, I prefer you to read the Bible and to do it. But unfortunately, we're not hearing the truth. We're not hearing the truth anymore. 
Doesn't the Bible say in the end of the age, people will be lovers of lies? They will not be lovers of the truth. In fact, it says they will exchange the truth of God for a lie. This is what God hates. If you tell Christians, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, and Jesus appeared to me and he said that I can be gay, well, then that you're a false prophet and that's a doctrine of a demon because it is opposed to what the Bible says. It is opposed God loves you. If you're a Christian and you're homosexual, you need to repent. If you're a Christian and you're watching pornography, you need to repent. If you're a Christian and you don't love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength, you need to repent. If you love your life more than you are afraid to lose it, then you need to repent. If you don't find that you're singing songs in your heart to God, that you're overflowing with tongues, that you spontaneously worship God, that tongues come out, that you praise God and invent these songs as you're driving the car, then you probably need to repent. How do we know that we know him? We love our brothers. And I love my brothers and sisters enough to tell them the truth. Unfortunately, most of them don't want to hear it. And you have got to shake the dust off your feet. You have to move on. You cannot hold on to one or two Christians who don't believe. You've got to let go. You've got to be the church. Jesus said, shake the dust off your feet. Paul said, if your wife doesn't believe, how can you save your wife? That's what he said. He said, if you have an unbelieving wife or husband, and how can you save them? He said, if they're willing to, to stay with you, then you should keep them. But if they want to leave, then you're free from the marriage. Okay, so this is the kingdom. It's in the Bible, but you just haven't seen it because your mind, the, your eyes have been blinded by the God of this age that blinds the minds of unbelievers. Well, how can I be an unbeliever? I'm a Christian. Well, you may be born again. But remember, Jesus Christ, who sowed the seed of the kingdom in you, said that the devil comes to steal the word. He said, what little you have will be taken away. How do these Christians end up standing before him? And Jesus said, I never knew you, Matthew seven twenty two. I never knew you. But they perform signs and wonders and miracles. How can Jesus be removing lampstands? How can Jesus be be spitting out the church. It says in my translation that he wants to vomit them out of his mouth because we can be lukewarm. We can fall away. The Bible clearly says those who remain until the end will be saved. Those who resisted to the point of death. Have you resisted to the point of death? This is, the, this is real Christianity. This is the kingdom of God. He said to seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. But this, I know you don't get it because the kingdom contains everything you need. You don't need to ask for your bills to be paid when you ask for the kingdom. You don't need to ask for healing when you ask for the kingdom because the kingdom contains everything. If you seek first the kingdom to the exclusion of all else. That includes your children, that includes your wife, that includes your business. The kingdom, only the kingdom is what Jesus is saying. If you make the kingdom your sole pursuit in life, yeah, not your kingdom, that's his kingdom. This is what 
This is where freedom comes. This is where the truth sets you free. The truth sets you ridiculously free. The truth is that you need to exclusively seek the kingdom, which is not your kingdom. It's the government of God. Then all your needs will be met because you will live for the purpose of expanding the kingdom. But the kingdom is more than you know. It is so much greater than you know, and it's the only thing that will satisfy you. So when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you go to work, when you're at home, your only purpose is to expand Jesus Christ's kingdom. What does that look like? Well, you have got to do the work. If you are going to seek first the kingdom, then you'd better study it. You'd better read about it in the Bible. You'd better borrow some books and read some books about it. You'd better weed out of your thinking the yeast of the Pharisees. You'd better weed out of your thinking the yeast of Herod. Jesus clearly said that the worries of the world would choke the seed. Which seed? The seed of the kingdom. So that's what's wrong with you. If you're a Christian and you're not seeing you know, the kingdom expand, you have been choked. You have been deceived. You have been lukewarm. You have got to come back to the word and obey it. Jesus said, it's the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth that choke the seed. It's the thorns and it's all those other things as well. And it's religion. So you've actually got to go on a process of weeding your garden, of t taking thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ, of asking and not doubting of believing him, of surrendering him. Read Matthew chapter 5. Be poor in spirit. Be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. How hungry and thirsty are you for righteousness? How persecuted are you? How much of a peacemaker are you? He's, he's made it clear to us the way that we are meant to live. And then if you're still stuck, read Proverbs and Psalms and start to obey them. Start to do what they do. Start to say what they say. The second part to Matthew 6.33 is to seek first his righteousness. So in other words, success in the kingdom of God as, as one who seeks first the kingdom of God requires favor with the king of the kingdom of God. The reason Jesus said seek first the kingdom and his righteousness is because you cannot seek first the kingdom effectively if you are not right with the king. Righteousness is the ability to stand before the king and not be killed. Righteousness is favor. Righteousness is I can go up to the throne of God and say, hey, buddy, maybe not that, but <laughs> but he is your friend, and he will answer your prayers. It is that. It, it is the ability to stand before God. As you stand before him, you are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. You are perfect. You are forgiven. So you need to seek first the ability to stand before God, which means you have to be good with the Son. You've got to make it right with the Son. How do I do that? Well, you repent. You tell him that you follow him. You tell him that you give him your life, but you then give him your life daily. You die daily. You carry your cross daily. You follow him daily and you obey him. He said, I never knew you. He said, get behind me, 
because I never knew you. Matthew 7. Oh, but we cast out demons in your name, and he said, I never knew you. Did Adam know Eve? Yes. Does a man know his wife? Yes. It's about intimacy. He was saying, you did works in my name, but you never obeyed me. You never got close enough to me for me to impregnate you with my seed. And my seed is the kingdom of God. My seed is the word of God. Are you going to get close enough to Jesus to get pregnant? Not pregnant from your pastor, not pregnant from YouTube, but pregnant from the King of kings and the Lord of lords, whom we are to marry. Is it any more obvious than reading Paul, than reading Ephesians saying, you know what, I'm talking about Christ and the church when I'm talking about a husband and his wife? Hello? What is, what is he talking about? What's a husband and a wife do that nobody else does? It's called procreation. It's called having babies. It's called intimacy. As I said before, this is not perverse. If you think it's perverse, then you're the one who's perverted. Because Jude says, to the pure, all things are pure. And I'm telling you the truth. Sex is a pattern that God created so that we would know intimacy with him. It's the only way to truly understand the, the, the oneness that God has with himself. And it's pure. It's not, there's nothing impure about it. It is a physical representation of intimacy. It is a physical representation of oneness. And Jesus prayed that the glory that, that he had with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in the beginning, that we would share in that glory its intimacy, its unity. Adam knew his wife and they bore a child. Jesus said, I never knew you. Okay, It's that level of intimacy. It's in the spirit. Okay, I'm not talking about sex. I'm not, I'm not talking about having sex with God. I'm talking about having an intimacy with God that can only be explained and can only be understood on this natural realm by the oneness that a husband and a wife, they become one flesh. Jesus said they become one flesh flesh. Jesus said, eat my body and drink my blood. I want to be one with you. I want to know you and I want you to know me. That is eternal life. Jesus Christ said that. This is eternal life, to believe in the Son. Believing is receiving. He wants you to receive him today. He wants you to receive the seed of the kingdom into your heart right now. Say, I receive it. I receive you, Jesus Christ. And let me finish with this. The book of Revelation does not mention Antichrist. Never is the Antichrist mentioned in the book of Revelation, yet many, many prophets and, and many, many pastors and end times professionals, they talk about the Antichrist in the context of the book of Revelation no, no, this is, a, this is a great deception. Read it for yourself. The book of Revelation talks about the false prophet. The book of Revelation talks about the beast. The book of Revelation talks about the dragon. But it does not talk about the Antichrist because there is no singular Antichrist. There is one false prophet 
there is one dragon and there are, there are two beasts, okay, in the book of Revelation. I might have got those numbers a bit mixed up. But the point is there are many antichrists and they are never mentioned in the book of Revelation. Look it up for yourself. The antichrist is mentioned as a group of people, many people who are in the church, Guys, this is a great deception because the church is looking for one man who they call the Antichrist in the book of Revelation and he doesn't exist. There is one man called the false prophet. There is a man who's called the son of perdition. There is a man who's going to make himself out to be God and he is not, you know, he's not the Antichrist. He's the false prophet. The Antichrist is anyone who's in church sitting next to you who denies the son. Anyone who, who has a form of godliness but denies its power. 1 John says the Antichrist is the one who denies the Father and the Son. Okay, and he says many Antichrists have come. Many. Okay, so, so this is really important because the, the Antichrist is the one who denies the Son. Let me just find it for you here. So here in 1 John chapter 2, Dear children, the end of this age is near. You have heard that Antichrist is arising, and in fact many enemies of Christ have already appeared. And this is how that we know that we are living in the closing hour of this age. For even though they were once a part of us, they withdrew from us because they were never really of our number. For if they had truly belonged to us, they would have continued with us. By leaving our community of believers, they made it obvious that they never really belonged to us. Who is the real liar, verse 22, but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the real Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Listen, verse 23, whoever rejects the Son rejects the Father. Whoever embraces the Son embraces the Father also. Now, I read a book recently called um, Many Types of Jesus. What I'm trying to say is if Jesus gave us authority to forgive sin, then how can we say that we know him and also deny that we have a sin? If you claim to know Jesus, you will obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And he said, this is how you will show that you're my disciples because you will bear much fruit. But there are many Christians today who, in a sense, they deny the Son. They deny the Son because they don't follow Him. They deny the Son because they don't obey Him. They have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. They may be attending church, but Paul said, You have blemishes in your love feast, clouds without rain, you know, men whose gods are their stomach, who are reserved for the blackest of darkness. What I'm trying to say to you is if we are Christians, then we will love our brothers. If we are Christians, then we will obey the word of God. If we are Christians, then we will proclaim the Son. You see, Muhammad doesn't proclaim the Son. Muhammad and Islam, they believe that Jesus was a good man and that Jesus was a teacher and that Jesus was a prophet 
but they do not proclaim that Jesus was the Son of God. They deny the Son. This is how you know that it's the Antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son. And I believe a Christian who says that they love God and they follow God, but they are willfully sinning. Paul said, do not even associate with that person. Do not even eat with somebody who claims to be a Christian but is a fornicator. Okay? This is important. Do we proclaim, I proclaim, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he rose from the dead on the third day, that he's seated at the right hand of God, that he sent the Holy Spirit, and that he's coming back again to judge the wicked and to judge us and to bring us into his everlasting kingdom. There are more prophetic words in the Bible, Old and New Testament, about the second coming of Jesus Christ than there were about the first coming of Jesus Christ. And you and I have got to get ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. So today I proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. I proclaim Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, born of a virgin, the Nazarite, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I worship him. I worship him and I will obey him. And I kneel down and I cast my crown down at his feet and I wait for him to call me to arise in Jesus' name. If you love him, you will obey him. And Antichrist is the one who denies the Son. We do not deny the Son, but we proclaim the Son of God. We proclaim Jesus Christ as the Son of God and we obey him. We drink his, body, drink his blood and we eat his body. When we do communion, Paul said, we are proclaiming the Lord's body. That is the antidote to this antichrist generation. Listen, you're living in a world that's dangerous. You're living in a world that is increasingly immoral and increasingly antichrist. You're living in a world where lawlessness abounds. This is what Jesus prescribed and described the end of the age would be, that there would be a love of money, that there would be the love of many growing cold, that there would be people who, who hate their mothers and fathers, that there would be people who exchange the truth for a lie, that there would be a falling away, that the love of many would grow cold and there, there would be great offences and John goes on to expand on that to say that, that there would be many antichrists. So the antidote, the antidote to lawlessness is to proclaim the truth. The antidote to exchanging the truth with, for a lie is to exchange your lies with the truth. Find it in the Bible and obey it. And the antidote to, to antichrist is to proclaim Christ. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to do communion. I want you to take some bread and some wine or some gluten-free bread and some grape juice or whatever you have, even use a, a coffee, and take the blood of Jesus Christ. I do it on my own. I do it without food sometimes. I just, I'm driving and I just say, Jesus, I want to do communion with you right now. I don't have any food, but right now, Jesus, I eat you. I eat you. I eat you. Your food, your body is real food, Jesus. Your body is real food. Your body is real food and your blood is real drink. And I just drink you in, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I take your body right now by faith. Surely I can take it in my spirit. I take it right now, even without an element. I eat you, Jesus. As a deer pants for water, does my soul long for the living God? And I drink you, Jesus. I drink your blood. 
And I, as I close my eyes, not, not in the car while I'm driving, but as I close my eyes, I imagine your precious blood dripping down your elbow from your wrists, dripping onto the dirt. And it's like, what a waste. That's the, I want to run up and grab it. I want to bottle it. I want to, I want to grab that blood because it's the most precious blood of my Savior. It cleanses me from all sins. It is the only thing that can, can give me access to heaven. It's by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony that we're saved. And I love that blood and I drink it. I want it. I want to lick it. I want to eat it off the dirt on the ground below that cross. I see it there and I want to gather it together. And I remember the passion of the Christ where Mary Magdalene and the mother of Jesus are mopping up the blood from the, from the Roman torture center. They're mopping it up with, with, with blankets, the precious blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we proclaim the blood of Jesus Christ. Guys, I'm, I'm, the hour is short. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm trying to shock you, slap you into reality today. The time is short. Proverbs says our life is like a vapor. We're only here for a split second. You, you, this world is fading away and there's such little time. It's time to believe. It's time to pray. So on the other side of this incredibly long podcast, what do you want to do? Well, you're going to read the Bible for yourself. You're not going to eat, you know, surrogate food. You're not going to eat regurgitated Christianity. You're going to go to the source and you're going to know Jesus intimately. You're going to feel him. You're going to feel his breath on your mouth. You're going to feel his hand like Elijah lying on the dead baby in the upper room, let Jesus lie on you today. Let him face you, his hands on your hands, his chest on your chest, his knees on your knees, and let him breathe life into you today. Let him resurrect you today. You're going to do communion. You're going to lift up the name of Jesus. You're going to lift up the blood of Jesus, and you're going to lift up the body of Jesus, and you're going to proclaim him that he is alive, that he is alive and he is going to come back again. And as long as the church is here, the Antichrist, as in the, the son of perdition, cannot come. The lawless one cannot take a throne because we are here. And we know that when he does come, we will be taken away. And so we proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. What you can do right now is you can proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. You can tell people about the son of God, that he came, that he died for their sins, that he's not holding man's sins against them. You can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And you can just simply help people. Help people with the truth. Tell them the truth, even if you get persecuted. I'm not talking about going on Facebook and yelling at people. I'm talking about telling people the truth, having compassion on the person in front of you. If they need food, give them food. If they need a, a shoulder, give them a shoulder to cry on. But if they need to hear the truth, tell them the truth. Now is the time. And you can do it. You can do it violently. You can message everyone in your phone and just say, listen, I just want you to know, this might sound crazy, but I want you to know that Jesus is is God, and, and here's a video, or here's a podcast, or, or here's something. Just do something. Just do something. You know, find him while he can be found. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Everyone can call upon the name of the Lord while there is still time. And that's my feeling that we are coming to the end of the age. The universe is going to be rolled up like a garment.
The, the, the sky is going to be burnt up like a vapour. Any time now, the, the coming of Christ is the doctrine of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Imminent by definition means that he can come back at any time. There is nothing that needs to take place for him to come back. You might have your own interpretation of biblical prophecy that certain things need to happen in Israel, but I'm telling you the word of Jesus himself is that he will come back quickly, he will come back unexpectedly, and that he will come back imminently. That word imminently means he can come back at any moment. It is one of the most uh, uh, confirmed scriptures in the Bible is the imminent return of Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about it. It's mentioned many, many times in many, many places by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It is mentioned that his return is imminent. By definition, that means that there is no precursor to him coming back. There is no prerequisite to him coming back. There is no step that remains There is no box that is yet to be ticked. The imminent return of Christ means that he can come back now. There's no reason, there's there's nothing left for him to wait for. He could come back today. That is what it means by imminent. Now, there is one thing that he said. He said it in Matthew 24 and he said it in Matthew 28. He said, in these things, in these great falling away. In Matthew 24, he talks about the wars and the rumours of wars. He talks about the love of many growing cold. He talks about the end of the age. He talks about the signs of his coming. But he says in that whole paragraph, in that whole sermon, in that whole explanation, he says, but in all of these things, the gospel of this kingdom message will be preached in all the earth and then the end will come. He said it will be like the days of Noah where Noah was preaching righteousness. We have got to do this one part. We have got to tell people about the kingdom of God, not about church, not about Christianity. We've got to tell people about the kingdom This is the message that we are yet to preach to the ends of the earth. It's not the message of Jesus and of the forgiveness of sins alone. It is the very specific message of the kingdom that he said. He said, preach the kingdom. In Matthew 28, he said, go into all the world and and preach the kingdom of God. He said, that is the message that we are to preach. He commanded us to preach the message of the kingdom of God. That is a violent message. That is a message that exposes darkness. That is a message that casts out demons. That is a message that that raises the dead. That is a demonstration of a government that is on his shoulders, the increase of which there will be no end. We must do this now. And when we have preached the kingdom, not Christianity, but the kingdom, then the end will come. 